2: A feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. So I have to say, um, normally on the Roundup, it's me and Cody. And uh, our guests, our, our regulars that listen to the Roundup every week have been saying why, you know, where's Cody been? We're really worried about Cody, and so Cody came back, and everything's hunky-dory, he told us about his vegetable gardening, and his um, his obsession with, you know, just building things and whatnots, and so um, Cody's not here tonight. It's just me and you, Eric, and classic, classic Cody, hashtag classic Cody. Uh, Cody was actually using a different hashtag, so if if you're interested in texting us and giving Cody a little bit of a hard time in terms of just like, hey, you came back for one and then you didn't decide to, to show up for the next, you can feel free to text us at 620-860-4804 and use the hashtag classic Cody uh, because Cody wanted to use the hashtag uh, way to go Cody because he, um, he double booked himself. And classic Cody double-booked himself as a reservation for dinner for his wife's birthday.
1: Classic Cody. And so he ditched us. He ditched us, Eric, for his wife's birthday. I, I can't believe it. I've never, ever done that before in my life.
2: Unacceptable, Cody. Avery uh, Avery would have understood. Uh, Avery is Cody's wife. Avery would have understood you pushing... Um, the podcast or you know push the podcast earlier cody or push dinner late. back even better late dinner no, you more, know. Romantic. You have, more romantic you may more romantic he may even get lucky we have no idea so please if you're in the mood text cody six two zero eight six zero four eight zero four and let him know that uh, you miss him again and hope and ask him what he had for his anniversary dinner that'd be great
1: happy birthday everyone. well
2: eric Happy happy birthday, Avery. Exactly. Happy birthday, Avery. Uh, all the way from California and Tennessee. Wow, she's getting big shout-out, birthday shout-outs from across the country. Um, Eric Hansen, welcome to the the Roundup. Welcome to the Blood Origins podcast. Uh, as I understand it, your first true digital podcast, not live, in-person podcast. Yes, sir. very first time. Go easy okay. on me. Okay, well... we'll 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 try we'll try and we'll we'll go easy on you It's pretty straightforward um typically we are you know interested in touching and on the con on the roundup specifically we like to talk about different you know news topics that have happened during the week and really today there's only one there is one that is dominating the news uh before I get into news, let me do a little bit of admin. We've got three. Superb Conservation Club members that we want to uh, shout out. Uh, wetstein Safaris in South Africa. If you're ever interested in going hunting in, in South Africa, we've got some great outfitters that, that support us, and we'd love you to support them. wetstein Safaris, Oliver Wechstein. Um You can find him at SouthAfricanHunt.com. Uh, Sun Africa Safaris, the Millmans, Pierre Millman. We did a great project called Sun Project with them, where they all the meat that is harvested at Sun Africa Safaris actually goes to a little rural orphanage, rural hostel in a small town. And uh, we got to film the kids and got to see their faces and their smiles and whatnot. And uh, the woman that was cooking the meal for South Africa Safaris was uh, this old Tani. Tani is aunt in Afrikaans and literally had like two teeth in her mouth. But she was the the happiest woman in the world, especially because we were feeding her kids. And then last but not least, Bear Country Outdoors, uh, great people, James and Brent out there just supporting us. Uh, They love bear hunting, and so they've created a a, a brand called Bear Country Outdoors. So big props to those three conservation club members. Uh, We also have um, a conservation cap right now being sold through Teton Leather Company. I believe we have two versions. We have a black with a red kangaroo, sustainable kangaroo leather patch. And then we have a camo hat with a bison leather patch. The camo cap, I believe I saw yesterday, there's one left. So if you want it, go get it. Uh, plenty of the black with the red kangaroo hats. That's what I have. Um, I actually did not get a camo hat because Francesca was like, I'm just going to sell the, 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 the very few that we have. You can't have one. I was like, oh, jeez. Much appreciate that, Francesca. So check them out. Teton Leather Company. Um, brilliant hats. Really comfortable. Good performance hats, and you're supporting a good cause, good conservation cause. Eric Hansen, uh, introduction. You are a lawyer by training, or
1: by day job, or by hobby? (laughs) If only a hobby, that would be much more fun than yes. (laughs) Sadly, lawyer by day job, hunter by hobby, and uh, yeah, that's that's what, and volunteer for backcountry hunters. So
2: volunteer for backcountry hunters and anglers in california
1: yep, i hear i'm the co-chair of the california chapter out here so you have to deal with Dave, uh devon oh yeah oh, i'm sorry a couple times a week i know i'm
2: sorry has he cut his hair yet absolutely not never no, well, no is he's... he looking like a, he's just looking like a hippie <laughs> reggae california surfer dude so... the, the man the
1: man lives right by the beach he can, you know <laughs> it's par for, it's it's the look. I mean, he he can he walk out his front door and be fishing in three minutes, so you know, I mean I remember we were talking over COVID and he would uh
2: very regularly slip into the surf and you're you're technically not allowed to be surfing during COVID lockdowns. Ah. But uh, he would be he would be you know statute is the statute of limitations passed on, you know, breaking the law like that? I, I
1: would like to think so though, you know. The California COVID nannies may still exist, but uh, yeah, you can, you can go surfing now. <laughs>
2: uh, and the issue that we want to talk about today is only one, and that is the, the amazing, I think it's amazing, corner-crossing news that came out of Wyoming, and I will simplistically put it, that massive amount of public lands has just been opened up for public access. But really, I wanted to have you on specifically, because as I understand it, Eric Hansen, you wrote the amicus brief associated with the corner crossings for these four individuals.
1: That's right. For, uh, yes, we represented, I represented backcountry hunters and anglers in their amicus brief in support of the uh, hunter's position on this issue. So. So
2: let's um let's just rewind the clock. A lot of people are like what are you guys talking about? Let's I want to give full context, full details. I want to hear everything about the amicus brief. I want to I want to hear from a lawyer about the decision that was made by what court and whether or not there is going to be an appeal and where that appeal goes to next. And then um what does that mean? And then the last question I'd like us to tackle is what does that mean for other western states? Yeah. So Let's just set up the context here. We had four individuals, four hunters, and if you've ever hunted in the West, you know it looks like a checkerboard in that the blocks are 600, what's a section, 640 acres? Correct,
1: which one square mile, I believe.
2: One square mile, and there's, you know, people own various blocks, private, public, private, public, private, public, and it looks like a checkerboard. And so, you know, logic would tell you that where the two pieces of public meet in the corner, you could legitimately step from one corner to another and not step on anybody else's land except your public land, which is owned by you. Eric is owned by me. It's owned by other people listening to this podcast. Even if they're listening to it in Australia, they still have access to it. Um. But the law at the time before this all happened, and the reason they got called for trespassing, is that there's, as I understand it, and here you can start correcting me, is that there's this this body of air that represents from the ground all the way to infinity, to space, that encompasses all four corners of that corner. So you legitimately could never pass through that corner without touching the heir of the private land, which then technically makes you trespass. That's
1: exactly right. I mean, this is, uh, this bit, you know, comes from old English common law uh, that you own uh, your property, for, you know, all the way down to the center of the earth, or hell, maybe, uh, and all the way up to the heavens. So, um, and, you know, the dispute in this case is, it's about that air because uh, the facts everyone said Nobody stepped on, except for one small issue, which we can talk about later. But uh, the main corner crossing, nobody stepped on private land. The only thing they ever did was pass through airspace. And so it's this question of are you allowed to, you know, just take one foot in front of the other, other over this corner and from public to public? Or does the fact that some private guy owns the other two corners prevent you from doing that?
2: So Eric, let me ask this question, and I don't know if it's come up or not, and I'm just trying to be, I guess, overly dramatic here. But if, a, if I was a paraglider, and I took off with my paraglider, you know, there's the ones that have the, the engine on the back, and I flew over a piece of private ground at 2,000 feet, am I technically trespassing?
1: It's a good question, maybe an incomplete hypothetical, but certainly um, there are rules about the airspace, right? And people have and do take planes onto and have taken planes onto these private lands, um, uh, or I'm sorry, onto the public lands, crossing over private land in the checkerboard pattern. So, um, you know, I mean, I think it's possible that you are, but you know, the, the the court joked in, I mean, I in their opinion that uh the only way basically uh you know without incurring damages for trespass is that a person could use an aircraft or a human cannon shot to get over these corners right so um that's what the court looks (laughs) so i feel like the human cannon shot was a bit of a, a a little jab there i found it amusing so these guys
2: went to these guys went to court there was a huge foreoar in the hunting community. Um, Wyoming backcountry hunters and anglers said, "We're going to stand up for you guys. We believe you were right, and you guys raised, you guys plus a bunch of other people raised what one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. right. I
1: was, I, you know, BHA started the, the the Wyoming chapter started that fundraising and and kicked in, and then it was you know I think a lot of donations from folks in Wyoming and across the country, um, you know, sort of recognize that this is common sense that you should be able to access your public land over these corners. Mm -hmm.
3: So,
2: So, which court did it start in, Eric?
1: So, a couple things happened in this case. I mean, first, there was a criminal case that happened in uh, 2021, I believe, maybe 2022. Uh, and. The jury did not convict them for criminal trespass. These hunters. Then he was. The hunters were sued for civil trespass, um, and that's the case that just resolved or is almost been completely resolved by this court's order. And that related to hunts that these uh, Missouri hunters went on in both 2020 and 2021, um, both on this property. Um, uh, near Elk Mountain in Wyoming. So
2: they corner-crossed in 2020
1: and 2021. That's right.
2: Okay. And so, the people, I assume it's the, the
3: landowners that were the the people suing. Correct. Um... And after they lost the criminal case,
2: they didn't really have to sue for civil, right? No.
1: No. Uh you know they I think they encouraged the prosecution in the criminal case they certainly didn't have to do um but you know I think this landowner has wanted to make it clear that he thought what these folks were doing was illegal and wants to set a set a a precedent that you can't corner cross
2: and that's the key here is that going through the civil trial not the criminals side but going through a civil trial, and explain to me and the listeners here, because I'm, I'm not familiar from a legal perspective, but you can set precedents with case law.
1: Right. Well, and it's interesting that this case, actually, the plaintiff, the landowner, filed this civil trespass case in state court and fought to keep it in state court. And so I think he probably was most concerned with not setting you know, precedent across the nation. He just wanted... Wyoming, where you know, then the state of Wyoming, where he thought like he might have a um, you know a little easier time in the state court to say no, these guys can't come on you know over that corner mm-hmm. of your of your land. So I don't think he necessarily was looking to set precedent other than to keep people from you know coming near what he perceives as his you know with his land. So, uh,
0: mm-hmm. but the case got
1: mm-hmm. transferred up to I, I don't know if you want to get into some of this legal mumbo jumbo. Yeah, yeah, but, let's uh, get into it.
2: So it started, at the, it
1: started at the state level. That's right. And, the, and then what happened? The Hunter's Council got it removed to federal court, uh, into the federal district court. How did
2: that happen? Why could, why could they do that?
1: Um, there were two reasons uh, why. The, the, the reason that ended up prevailing is that um, basically if you have, and this is, again, very technical, but you have a diversity of parties, uh, the hunters are from Missouri. The landowner, I believe, is from one of the Carolinas, maybe maybe North okay. Carolina. Okay, so he wasn't uh, he's not a Wyoming, landowner. That was... He's not a Wyoming resident. Right. Um, okay. And, the, you know, the other part of that is if the amount in controversy is a certain amount, over $75,000, then you can get the case kicked up from state court to... Federal court. Um, and so, you know, I think that the hunters probably saw that as a better venue. And one also that, again, if it had stayed in Wyoming at most, you could have gotten a, a decision that, that would affect only Wyoming. If there's appeals here and it keeps going, the decision could, you know, have much broader
3: effect for the West, which you know, we'll talk about later.
2: So it goes out of state court and heads into which federal court? Federal District Court for Wyoming, and the case then is tried.
1: The case no, we never got to a trial. So the case is, you go through all the process, which means you take discovery, meaning you you know ask, you do you send written things out saying you know answer me this. You take depositions, meaning you you know each lawyer is going to be asking questions to witnesses and fact and folks on the other side. You you go through this whole long. And, you know, often an expensive process of, of. Sure. and then uh, what happened here is that the facts, almost all the facts in the case were not in dispute between the parties. Everybody agreed, you know, yes, we crossed these corners and these corners. We didn't actually touch your ground, except there's one uh, issue still hanging out in the case, not having to do with the corner where a, an Onyx waypoint was put on some private ground. And so that's a, a sort of a separate Issue. But the main facts about corner okay. crossing not in dispute. And so that then can get resolved on what's called summary judgment. Meaning both party, parties put in briefs, both parties, you know, do some oral argument in front of the judge and it's a pure legal question, can I do this or can I not? We don't dispute what happened Yeah.
2: Yeah. And when does the and that's and that's the summary judgment we received. When when does the amicus brief come in from what you wrote?
3: Sure.
1: So we put in the amicus brief uh, early on in the civil case. Um, Initially, we wrote an amicus brief and asked for it to be considered um, during, when they were trying to get the case removed from state court to federal court. And So
2: explain to people, what is an amicus brief to start with? Amicus
1: brief is what's called a friend of the court brief, Um, and it's a way for... Other individuals who aren't connected to the case but have a perspective and a you know sort of stake in what's at issue to brief the court on uh, you know issues and kind of go beyond sort of the scope that otherwise uh, the court would have. It's fairly rare to do it in district court. That's certainly allowed, but it's fairly rare. It happens all the time at appellate court and the Supreme Court. Um, but you know, it's not it's not often you see it in. In a district court case, and you know, uh, so we put ours in uh, in support of them getting this case moved from state court to federal court, and we premised mm-hmm. it on a slightly different reason, which is uh, that there's what's called a federal question involved, and other, you know, I, I was talking about the diversity of where people live and the money. The other way you can get something kicked up to federal court is. Um, is is if there's a federal question, like a federal law that's at that issue, the court u- ultimately didn't um, consider that part of our brief. So, uh, what we did is rehashed it, rewrote it, um, because it 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 decided that issue on the diversity, not federal question. Uh, and so we mm-hmm. kind of recast our brief and submitted it probably back in November of December, um, just to kind of give the court the perspective of the ordinary hunter the ordinary you know american who wants to access his or her public lands and mm-hmm. kind of walk through the law as we saw it uh about why you know this has already been uh, decided, and that courts have you know should find that the law is clear that
3: you can't do this so eric why
2: would a judge or a court? I assume it's the same thing here. Yes. L- read an amicus brief. Like, could anyone write an amicus brief? Do you have to have a certain level of? Do you have to be a you know a jurist like yourself? Um. Or, you,
1: yeah. You. I mean, there are procedures. I mean, the c- court systems, especially the federal courts, fairly formal. So there are procedures about it. I mean. Uh, so we put one, BHA put one in, and on the other side, the Wyoming stock growers and uh, sheep growers Asso- association put one in uh, on the side of the landowner. But to your point, um, you can't just ask the court, uh, well, you, you you could probably just ask the court, and they have discretion, especially at um, the trial court le- level, whether to allow um, or deny it. And actually, the court again, in, his, in its order, made the point that uh, in the last couple months, the court was getting a lot of phone calls and emails from the public. Uh, they didn't say on which side, prob- probably both, offering unsolicited opinions on, on, on all of this. And the court was very clear that that was inappropriate. Um, you know, I mean, citizens have the right to, people have the right to do that to their representatives in Congress and you know, the legislator, and that's exactly what that's for, but courts, you know, operate in a very different realm, and it's not just a place for popularity contest or anything. The court's actually looking, I think, for um, legal help on, on these issues, and
3: that's where the amicus comes in, so. Mm-hmm.
2: So, it goes to federal, it goes to the, uh, it goes to the statewide federal court.
1: Yeah. Uh, right? I guess you could call it like that. The, there's just like California, we have four. It
2: goes to the district, you said the district you do court the district. In that
1: state. And so Wyoming has one, they have a number of judges, that one district court. We have various districts in California because we're such a big state. We got, you know, yep. the various ones. So, but yes, it goes to the federal court in Wyoming.
2: So the briefs are submitted by both sides, you know, a little closing statement given from both lawyers. And then the judge, you know, looked at it, evaluated it, and then is that the decision that we have just received? That's
1: right. Yes. So all that time and litigation and discovery and brief writing and fighting came came up to this decision, um, where the court disposed of almost all all of the issues and said, you know, we think we're bound or at least persuaded that, you know, this corner crossing. courts before me have said uh, this is legal and we're going to allow it. So, just talk to me about the
3: legalities of it. Did the judge
2: the judge didn't execute a law, right? All he said was these guys are, they're they're not liable. I assume, I'm, I hope I'm using the right, you, right legal language. So they're not liable um, for any civil damages, so they're free and clear. Did he then say that corner crossing was legal or just because of the, the, the case outcome by precedence, now it's legal?
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's complicated, as most stupid legal things Come are. on. <laughs> right? Um, it's, so, yes, you're exactly right. Certainly what these guys did, they are not liable for any trespass. And the court said that what they did, you know, the court was very clear that uh, he, he kind of cabined it to a kind of particular circumstances. If you're in this checkerboard pattern, which is a very kind of peculiar arrangement in America um, that just kind of happened, you know, without, I think, a lot of forethought by Congress to how this would end up playing out. Uh, back in the, you know, 1800s. Um, So if you're in this corner crossing area, or corner, you know, divided area.
2: um, Checkerboard
3: area. Checkerboard area, thank you. Uh, If you are on foot
1: and you step over a corner without physically touching any private property and you don't damage any private property, then corner crossing, in his view, is legal. Uh, I will caveat that by saying that does not necessarily set a precedent, even in Wyoming, let alone across the country, yet. Why do you say that? So let's just say
3: Eric Hansen decides, I'm going to go corner cross now. Would a, a sheriff,
2: I assume that's what happened to these boys. Would a sheriff arrest you for trespass?
1: Uh, Possibly. We don't know. Um, And it may not necessarily even apply to the criminal side of the trespass world, this decision, because um, without us going further up the chain of of appeals and without some clarity from perhaps even legislatures in all these states... um, it still remains at least somewhat of an open question. And, you know, for years now, people in some places have corner cross without issue. They know that their sheriff or their game wardens, you know, didn't, in, didn't enforce criminal trespass on this, believe that it was legal. Others, you know, it, they do. And if you have a landowner who's dedicated enough and cares about it, uh, you know, I think even to this day, even after this order, it's possible you could find yourself in some hot water. So will this be, or has this been appealed to a higher court already? Not yet. So as I kind of alluded to, there's one issue the court did not not, uh, resolve on summary judgment. And that's because one of the hunters, when he gave all his, on X information there happened to be a waypoint that was slightly in private property and i think you know you and i all know if you said an on X you could send an onyx waypoint from anywhere you anyway you could drop, want, you can right, drop right. one on my house right now i could drop one in the middle of the forest yeah. somewhere um but the yeah. court said well the fact you know we need a jury to kind of weigh the believability of you know folks on that and whether there's whether that waypoint's enough to suggest or show that you guys might have stepped on private property, been on private property, so right, right. until that gets resolved, and it'll be uh, there's a trial scheduled for late this month. Um, the parties are going to submit kind of their pre-trial stuff tomorrow, um, and so uh, you know we'll see in the coming weeks, maybe a month what what happens on that point but until that gets resolved there will be no appeal and then it's up to the plaintiff in this case to actually file the appeal which happens you know a certain amount of time after a judgment and where would that appeal go that would go to the 10th circuit of
2: um yeah the 10th circuit court of appeals and where would that 10th circuit reside
1: ah uh, i believe the 10th circuit is based in colorado out of denver but don't
2: quote
3: me on okay. that
1: so what the, the thing is, is the 10th circuit then covers a number of the countries divided up into various circuits that each have kind of sure. overarching jurisdiction or or you know uh, of of these states and so the 10th circuit has utah colorado wyoming new mexico okay. oklahoma uh and kansas i believe okay
2: and would they do the same thing? Let's just make some assumptions. It goes up. The same thing will happen there. It'll be a brief submitted to the judge. The judge will hear closing statements. He will obviously get all the information from the lower court. Does
1: that transfer up? Yeah, so into yeah, it's a whole process, but it, yes, you'll have you'll the parties will put together kind of a joint submission of everything that uh, happened in the lower court that they think. Is appropriate for the appellate court to, to look at. Uh, they'll each write briefs on the issue. There'll be oral arguments about the issue, and then that gets heard by a three judge panel. And the
2: Tenth Circuit is the appellate court. That's right. And so, and what's next after? Let's just go one step up. It goes beyond the Tenth. What's the ten- after the Tenth Supreme? That's right.
1: So, assuming you know the landowner here appeals this decision, goes to the Tenth Circuit. Uh, the 10th Circuit could either affirm what happened, agree with, with the district court here in Wyoming, and then the next step would be for the plaintiff to then appeal to the Supreme Court, or the 10th Circuit could say, no, we disagree, uh, it should go the other way, or something in between, and then you know maybe the, the hunters have gotcha. to appeal. And then the Supreme Court does not have to take the case, right? They They Correct. can just let it lay if they want. Yep,
2: yep. Now, with the Tenth Circuit Court, would they issue more of an overarching statement? Like, would they say, yes, you're not liable, and we believe it's now not trespassed corner cross? Um,
1: it really, you know, these are kind of reading tea It really depends on how... Do they do that? Let me ask
2: that just generally. Do they often step a little bit further to just provide clarity around an issue?
1: Um. They can, especially if they, you know, if they feel if there's like a law that they're applying. For example, one of the 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 laws at issue here is called the Unlawful Enclosures Act, uh, which the Wyoming court used but did not rely solely on. Um, But you know, I think the Wyoming court did give a pretty um, lay out, kind of a pretty clear legal understanding of like when it would be acceptable. To corner cross and how, and so I would expect. But again, you never know. I would expect that a decision by the Tenth Circuit, especially if it's in favor of the hunters, would, um, well, a, a decision either way would clarify, to some extent, uh, what was what was permissible or not. I mean, they are they mm-hmm. are deciding again, just kind of this one issue, but usually uh you know courts especially at the appellate level you know want don't want to create uncertainty it's also possible though that they kick they find something that should have been discussed or uh dealt with uh, and kick it back down to the Wyoming district court that's yeah. possible yeah
3: yeah 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 so let's then um you know no appeal happens. We
2: have precedence now. Case law that says you, you, this is a, this is a, an audio medium, not a visual medium. So your little handshake, like, I to not because
1: I didn't want to interrupt, but uh, I was, <laughs> I was saying we don't, eh, we don't have precedence. We have, we have one, we have a case in the modern, you know, in the modern age on this exact issue. Um, and yeah, but every lawyer. As that I know, you too probably
2: if if we then went to Montana did the same thing in Montana got called up for trespass, you would certainly use this as case law to sh- prove this has happened before we've been down this road. this is what the court suggested right
1: but I yes yeah, and I, I, we could do that, and the difference would be that the court in Montana wouldn't have to even a court in Wyoming wouldn't necessarily have to would not have to apply the decision that happened here until this gets kicked up a level to that Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh so is that the level? Like
2: the the tenth court is the level that people like, whoa, 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 well, okay, now <laughs> it's serious decision making. Come a on.
1: Bit. Give me a like And then guess what? If that Montana is not in the 10th Circuit. It's in the Ninth. With, uh, with us in California here. So they wouldn't even necessarily have to abide um, by what the 10th Circuit said, even if the 10th Circuit said this is, it's very, wow. pers- it can be, you know, it's what's called persuasive evidence. But yeah, this is the system's messy. And this is how it's designed to work. So they don't have to apply this law. Uh, another court in Wyoming doesn't. So the ultimate
2: does the ultimate would be go to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court picks it up. Supreme Court goes mm, corner crossing. I mean,
1: yes, that probably would be the easiest, <laughs> quote unquote easiest. Except the Supreme Court takes you know so few cases a year, um, they'd have to really be interested. Uh, you know, the other ultimate would be
2: that this. Why would they not be interested in this? This would be this is like American foundational stuff right here. It's like the cornerstone of American, you know, public heritage. The land is theirs. Is it truly theirs? Yeah. I mean,
1: it's a fascinating issue, and it actually does wrestle with, um, you know, old older Supreme Court cases. Some from the early early twentieth century, and some from the you know seventies, and so. Uh, but, you know, like I said, they get probably thousands of appeals a year and get to take, you know, probably under 100. I don't I don't know the current statistics. So uh, it's all up to the Supreme Court judges. And, uh, you know, if we get there, it, that'll be very fun to see what happens. Um, I know. It's, this is why I wish law all was right, a hobby, so... not, a, not a day job. It's a, yeah.
2: So let me ask this: uh, In terms of you said about a month to figure out the whole Onyx waypoint issue. Right. After that's done,
1: how long does the guy have to appeal? Oh, great question. And I, it's either probably it's either thirty or sixty days. And I should know this. And okay, in
2: my firm. So pretty quick. By by the end of the summer, we should know whether or not this
1: is being elevated or not. I think that's right and yeah 10. we'll know exactly you know certainly within the next 3 to 6 months we'll we'll know for sure whether it's being appealed um and the tenth circuit has to take the appeal so if it's appealed you know it, we'll, the gears will keep start turning again and we'll have a you know we'll do this at a different level
2: eric are you Publicly advertising your legal services for all the crawler crossings that are going to happen uh, this fall, because you may become a very,
1: very lucrative uh, legal business. Oh yes, lucrative when the uh, pro bono. Uh, <laughs> this thing, so, but if anyone does want to pay me, uh, I, I absolutely am happy to and will do. But uh, no, you know, certainly, um, I'd be interested to hear and, and let us know. I mean, you know, I think my firm and I are. This is an interest. An issue that's uh of interest to us, and um, yeah, we'd love to do more to kind of help help make this a reality so
2: in terms of uh legal advice, what would you suggest to hunters this fall
1: ah well I don't want to give legal advice because there's uh, ethical issues there and all that but i i guess okay and
2: as, do not give legal advice not no legal, legal advice, advice.
1: and uh, you know as a lawyer, especially asking lawyerly questions, I'm trained to be uh Cautious, perhaps, to a fault. Um, I would say, you know, if you've done it before and, and it's been fine, do it again. You can. Uh, but, you know, the, it's just, you're still rolling the dice, I guess, is really the, what it comes down to. Correct. You're still rolling the dice. If you get a guy, if you corner cross in a place where you have someone as as aggressive as this landowner is about... um
2: know that you could be facing some legal, not issues, but you're going to be facing some legal, um, It's possible.
1: Some legalities. It's yeah. possible. I mean, of course, we've gone a long time, uh, before, you know, this case happened. Obviously people have been. How long did it take? Uh, what'd you say? Two years now, right? Yes. and Maybe a bit more, uh, but yeah, two-ish years, um, And, you know, in my research for the amicus brief, like, you come across cases where people have either, you know, been acquitted uh, criminally or found guilty because they wandered onto private land uh, because they weren't careful. Um, So, I guess my one advice would be, yes, uh, you never know. You still could be, it's not a free-for-all or, you know, an open door at this point. There's still a chance. Probably small, but you never know. Two, if you are going to corner cross, uh, which I think would be great, personally, um, be, you know, just be a good steward about it, right? I mean, follow, yeah. the, follow the rules as laid out by this judge. Do it on foot. Uh, leave, you know, make sure you're crossing really at the corner. Find the monument. Don't just use a map and be like, ah, it's close to the corner. Uh, Use Onyx or whatever mapping software you like to to get close to the corner, find the monument, and do like these hunters did. Step, just step over it if you can, uh, right over it, mm-hmm. um, and don't touch private property. And you know, do all the other things that that hunters should be doing using leave no trace principles, and just you know, respecting both public land and and private land. So, I mean, I think that's my that would be my wish list for folks who are
2: 100%. 100%. Well, Eric, I appreciate you coming on the roundup, man. This is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to talk about just the nitty gritty details, ask the questions that I know a lot of people
1: have, just like I had. Um, anything else that you can think of that we missed? Awesome, lovely. I appreciate it. Um, trying to think. No, I mean, I think we've, we've covered the main kind of the main issues. Uh, I guess all I would say is, you know, for folks to kind of keep. Being engaged on this issue it's a, it's a huge public end issue um, you know keep advocating and um, you know have have patience with the process but if you want to you know make this go faster, the easiest thing to do is get your your state legislature to make corner crossing legal uh, so you know get out there is that moving in any state right now It's a good question I know at least in Colorado a bill was introduced i don't know the status of it um i think certainly you know maybe oh i think
2: the session's done in colorado okay, fair. so it, it, if it didn't move it, it it's dead. Fair. um
1: uh so yeah sorry I, i'm not on top of it
2: you would think is bha actively interested i would assume bha would be actively interested in pushing forward legislation in those western states that have you know the highest checkerboarding some sort of legislation like
1: that? Yeah, I think so. Um, and it's really, you know, uh, we definitely are, as, as, as you know, not to be a spokesperson for the whole organization, sure. but uh, I think absolutely that we're interested in it. And it's really just a question of, uh, you know, working that democratic process and getting, you know, your legislators engaged and understanding the issue. And so like a lot of things, it's uh, the more you talk to your, your legislators and uh you know tell them tell them what you're thinking about the the better uh get engaged you know
3: 100% 100% Eric Hansen thank you my Church man probably thank you so much much appreciate you glad glad to be here appreciate you too thank you
2: well that's it for today I appreciate you listening as always leave a review share it with your friends and most importantly do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.